Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Insider. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today we will talk about the National Book Award winners. And uh, with us are colleagues, our news editor, John Marr, and our fiction reviews editor, Gabe Habesh, who, uh, well, it was John who was actually there last night. John, take us there. Hi, Mark. Yeah, so uh, last night was the National Book Awards in New York City at Cipriani Wall Street, where it has been held for the past few years, at least since I started at Publishers Weekly. And it was a fairly wild night. So uh, one of the cool things that I've been watching over the past few years uh, in terms of how the NBAs have shifted, I remember in 2016, there were a a lot of people, including the host who I believe if I'm remembering correctly, it was Larry Wilmore, we're calling it sort of jokingly the National Black Book Awards. Uh, and I think the point was sort of to say that diversity was really starting to mean something at the National Book Awards, that the NBAs, perhaps in contrast to some of the other awards in the publishing industry, were really starting to put their money where their mouth was in terms of diversity. Uh, last night, definitely, definitely continued that trend. I am fairly positive. In fact, yes, not a single white person won an award last night, from what I can tell. Not a single white man, but possibly not even a single white person at all, which is a kind of an amazing thing for a lot of reasons. And one of the really cool things being there and seeing the crowd was that because so many of the nominees were so diverse, the crowd was more diverse too. And that really kind of allowed for a much more interesting dynamic in the evening. So there were a couple of dynamics that were there. The past few years has been, have been very political. This year was no less political, although it was the 69th National Book Awards. So you could imagine the number of uh, tongue-in-cheek jokes that were made during the evening by a number of people, including Nick Offerman, who was the host. And it, it, uh, it got a little saucy. <laughs> okay, really? Okay, tell us. <laughs> Well, um, I can tell you that the 76-year-old Isabel Allende, who won a Lifetime Achievement Award, the Medal for Distinguished Contributions to American Letters, this is a a pre-announced award, talked about having a lover at 76 and that she, I, I believe she put it, she looks Chilean and she dreams, cooks, makes love and writes in Spanish because it would feel ridiculous panting in English, even though her lover doesn't speak a word of Spanish. So that was certainly uh, an interesting speech to watch happen while she was also talking about being an immigrant in the United States, an author who is a Spanish language writer who has lived here for 30 years during a time when immigration crackdowns are happening all the time, and her belief that the power of the written word is one of the great connectors that we have. So it was this very kind of interesting dynamic balancing between you know the, the lewd and the very potent and politically focused, and uh, it, it was kind of a it was kind of an amazing thing to watch. Great. So what about Offerman? How was his talk? So he was sort of an MC for the evening, and he, you know, employed his typical dry humor, uh, which uh, landed in some cases, didn't in others. I think it was certainly a bit of a generational divide. I kind of, you know, talked to a bunch of people all night just to sort of get the mood of the show, and, and it seemed as if the older crowd found him a little dry and dull, while as the younger crowd knows his shtick from Parks and Recreation, and I think they they were a little bit more receptive. In terms of the general feeling for the night, it, it moved at a fairly steady clip, and I think some of the award winners were really surprising, too. 
So I, I talked to Diane Roback, our uh, children's editor last night, uh, and she said that she was not surprised at all by the winner of the Young People's Literature Award, um, Elizabeth Acevedo. Uh, she won for a book called The Poet X. And Diane made it very clear to me, uh, I think the words she used were, she's the real deal. So I think that was less of a surprise than, say, poetry, uh, where you saw Terrence Hayes, who I think was heavily, heavily favored to win this award. He lost to another black poet, Justin Philip Reed, who I believe is a, uh, Gabe, you're at Coffee House, right? Your, your last book was at Coffee House? Yeah. Yeah, so he's a, he's a stablemate of Gabe's, um, and he won for the book Indecency. Uh, and, and his speech was, was really moving, if a little overly poetic. <laughs> In terms of the other awards, I, I know Gabe's going to speak to fiction and, and translation, which is great because the Tawada book is amazing. But I know that for nonfiction, Jeffrey C. Stewart won for The New Negro, The Life of Elaine Locke, who was sort of the philosopher and kind of the, the underpinning force behind the Harlem Renaissance. And this is like a sort of dry 900-page biography published by Oxford University Press. Uh, in fact, um, the... How, what's our connection to that book, Mark? I think you know better than I. <laughs> uh, so, so we actually gave this book a star. It was one of our books we included in our most recent best books feature, and we gave it a stellar review. I mean, you know, we called him the Godfather. You know, we, you know, we referred to him as the Godfather of the Harlem Renaissance. And in it, the author uh, Stewart talks about his relationship Langston Hughes, but also, you know, he touches on, uh, according to our review, the misogyny toward writers Jesse Fawcett and uh, Zora Neale Hurston as well as his complicated relationships with his fellow Howard colleagues. We just thought it was a wonderful book. Yes, so there was um, there was a lot of energy, I think, behind most of the wins. A huge, huge response to, to Elizabeth Acevedo's award. Fairly strong response to the rest of them as well. Uh, and, and I think in, in some ways it's just due to, I think, how how hard the NBAs are, are working or they're, you know, how hard the, the judges behind the national book awards are working to sort of not just diversify the list, but, but really, well, yeah, diversify the list. I mean, I just, in fact, got an email from one of my contacts, uh, one of the spokespeople at, at the national book foundation. And, uh, and he said between the five categories this year, there are only five writers who were, long-listed who had previously been honored by the NBAs. All the rest of them were new to the list. There were 31 this year because one of the children's books had two authors and the uh, new category, the translation prize, which Gabe will get to, includes uh, translators, I believe. Tell us about the translating awards. Yeah, I mean, I think that what uh, John was saying is is spot on, and I think this is an exciting year in particular because they they have introduced the the translation category. Um, and I was looking at the languages that were for the long list. So the process, it's 10 long list books that they shortened to five short list books. And then the five short list books are the finalists. And those, the winners are announced in the ceremony that happened um, on Wednesday night. But the, the languages for the 10 books are um, French, Spanish, um, Arabic, Tamil, Nor two Norwegian books, Italian, Japanese, Polish, and Russian, which is really exciting. I mean, to me, as a reader, the most exciting literature is coming in translation right now, and I think it's a necessary step for the National Book Foundation to introduce this category, particularly because these books 
don't find the platform that they typically need to find in order to reach a general readership. And so having an award like the National Book Award sort of give a seal of approval to a book that maybe otherwise wouldn't be read by the wide readership and across the country is just, I think, necessary. And I'm, I'm really happy that they've introduced this. And the book they picked, The Emissary by Yoko Tawada, is a Japanese book. It's published by New Directions. I believe it's her third book translated into English. She had a book that actually did pretty well a couple years ago called Memoirs of a Polar Bear. Um, and then she had another book called The Bridegroom Was a Dog, I believe is the title. I'm pretty sure they were all translated by the same translator too, Margaret Mitsutani. This is uh, a fairly short book. I mean, it's just over 100 pages, but it's it deals with um, a near-future uh, Japan that's been um, cut off from the rest of the world after some um, sort of disaster. And the book in general sort of, I think, obliquely deals with the Fukushima, the fallout from the earthquake and the tsunami and the Fukushima disaster. I don't know how head-on it tackles it, but uh, that's definitely like associated with the story. And people born before, my understanding is, if I can remember correctly, the people befo- born before the, the disaster are sort of immortal and can live forever, and the people born after rapidly age. So it's sort of like this inverse situation where the old people elderly people are watching younger people rapidly decline in health and the center of the story is a 108 uh, year old great-grandfather and his great-grandson and the grandfather is sort of watching Mm. the the situation sort of wreak havoc on his great-grandson but yeah we our our review said that the book imagines a ruined world with humor and grace and i mean i i think it's a great choice but yeah, across the board, there were, there were just great selections. One of my favorites is, is called Flights, um, and that's a Polish book that was a finalist that didn't win, but was also it was also won the Man Booker International Award, which is sort of the other award that's really props up a, a work in translation. So, um, yeah, that to me is the story of this year is is the the way it brings in the global voices. Yeah, I agree. I always felt that works in translation had been underlooked, as we all have. And I think it's some of the best writing coming out, uh, especially in fiction. And, and and for the National Book Award to, to have it, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And and you're right, Gabe, the the, uh, the books. I mean, look at all the countries that were, at least the languages that were represented there. I mean, it's really, really amazing. So a couple of interesting things about that, actually. Uh, the, the Translated Book Award is new, but there there used to actually be a translation translation prize. It wasn't for it was it was more oriented toward the translator, I believe, rather than toward the author and the translator. But I was talking to someone at the NBA's last night who works for the organization, and she said that a long time ago there was a translated category. There were five finalists and one winner, and then eventually they actually narrowed it down to two because of the. I suppose, lack of interest in American letters in terms of translated literature eventually axed it entirely. So to bring it back was, was in, a, in a completely different form. This is a new, brand new award, but it is still, but there is a little bit of history to it, is a really interesting call. And to have the former, uh, and this was really interesting too, to, to have the former chair of the National Book Foundation or the former executive director, Harold Augenbrom, come to the podium. First of all, he was the chair of that, of that uh, 
group of judges. Uh, he came to the podium and introduced the award in English, Spanish, and Indonesian. He didn't do the same speech three times in different languages, but he used all three. And in the awarding to Allende earlier um, in the night, the author, Alberto Uria, you know, sort of ha- spoke mostly in English, but a certain amount in Spanish as well. And I think that kind of thing really energized the place because you could tell just because we're English language speaking here doesn't mean that we're not, especially in the book industry, interested in and dedicated to the foreign language publishing. And I think it was very, very cool to see some energy behind it last night. And from what I could tell, I've talked to a couple of, of publishers who've published. I, I talked to Jill Schoolman at, at Archipelago, a, a publisher that publishes almost exclusively in translation, a couple of weeks ago. And I asked her, you know, did you think that, that this award, this translated award was sort of ghettoizing translated literature or or are you excited about it? And without hesitation, she said, we're excited about it. Uh, it it's It's putting it in a place of importance and interest that uh, was previously reserved for only English language fiction. And to to translated publishers, I think this is just a gift. Uh, And I think they're really excited. And I think the community last night was excited about it as well. That's great. Well, speaking of excitement and let's do talk English language fiction, uh, Gabe, we're going to turn it back to you for uh, the fiction awards. Yes. So the the last award of the night is for... um fiction. Um, So this is the standard fiction English language and Sigrid Nunez won for The Friend um, which was published by Riverhead uh, in February and yeah I think that that was also similarly a great choice we actually profiled Sigrid for the magazine um, last year so I was reading our profile of her and she just has a really interesting story and in the profile which I encourage our listeners to, to check out to see how she approaches her writing process is fascinating because Um, She talks about how her real life blends in with the story of the novel, which is the short premise is that um, an unnamed writer and teacher of creative writing, just like Sigrid Nunez, takes in a um, great Dane named Apollo after a close friend commits suicide and sort of tracks her relationship with the dog and dealing with the grief of her friend who's committed suicide. And then the profile Sigrid Nunez says that, you know, the book definitely has roots in her own personal experience and that she, when she was writing the book, one of her friends committed suicide. And so it was, you know, she said the, the back and forth between what was going on in her life and what she was writing about was something that she sort of worked through as she was working through the different drafts of the book. But yeah, Sigrid Nunez has written a couple books. She's written fiction and nonfiction. She has a memoir about her relationship with Susan Sontag um, she was a former assistant to Robert Silvers at the New York Review of Books. Um, she studied creative writing with Elizabeth Hardwick. You know, she's she's around, so this is a nice reward for her. Uh, you know, a long career of yeah. of putting out quality quality books, and um, so I think it's a great a great pick. Excellent, good. Gabe, did you want to uh, touch on any of the other nominees? Well, flights flights. I wanted to to bring up um, special recognition the Polish novel that was nominated for the translated award, and um, that one was a personal favorite of mine. But yeah, I mean, I think that across the board, even going back to the long list that they that the judges selected for translation, I encourage listeners to go check out those ten books because just because they didn't win or because they didn't get uh, to the short list, they're all really really high quality books, and I think that the judges did an amazing job pointing out 
the books that they they did. Excellent. Well, I I agree. I mean, and 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 again, this just seems like another um, really good National Book Awards. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it definitely was, and, and I think uh, one of the cool things about it was, you know, sometimes these these ceremonies feel a little uh, rusty. Let's say. Um, you know, they're, they're the same thing every year. I, I don't know if, if either of you have ever been to the Pulitzers, but the Pulitzers are like a five minute reading of a note card. <laughs> you know, it's like a very sort of dry thing. The national book awards has always been much more pomp and circumstance and fancy dishes and people chatting and after parties and after, after parties. But I think this year there was, there was a little bit more spark. Um, and maybe that, that's partially because the political exhaustion uh, is is after the publishing industry, generally the folks in it tend to lean a little left, and I think I think that the energy after the the midterms may have affected some of this. Uh, but I also think that honestly, Lisa Lucas, the new the the fairly new executive director of the National Book Foundation, has just breathed a lot of energy and life into the programming, and I think it's it's showing. Well, this sounds like I said sounds like a great show. John, Gabe, thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for talking, Mark. Thanks, Mark. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. Please be sure to subscribe to PW Insider on iTunes. We will not be podcasting Thanksgiving week, but please join us the following week, November 23rd, for a new episode. Thanks for listening.